We are finishing Isaiah chapter 12 this morning. I did have plans of finishing it last week when I got a cold and I was going to say, next week let's plan for an open worship. But then I got a cold, so I just switched the Sundays. Before we turn to Isaiah 12, I want us to consider a few words in Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, Lo, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. I want us to enter into that conversation and feel it. Because often we are the Pharisees in that story still to this day. When is the kingdom coming? Lord, when will you, your kingdom come? We, we should pray. Most times, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But, when will it come, Lord? There's angst. There's impatience. I wonder if if sometimes we think or hope or act like the Jews in John chapter 6 where John writes about the crowd and after they saw Jesus break the loaves and, and fishes but never run out, when the people saw the sign which he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus accepted it. No. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain. By himself. Do we see this? Do we grapple with this? They know he's the prophet. They know he's the Messiah. This is the coming one. Come on, Jesus, do your thing. Get up here. Stick it to them. Stick it to the profane, godless tyrants who lord over us all those immoral power. Let's go, Messiah. We know he's king. We profess He's king. He is king. But still something's happening here. Something's going on here. When he's heading into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what are they proclaiming? Hosanna! Which is, save us now. Save us now, Messiah. Do your thing. Free us from the Romans. Reign over us. Isn't that what the prophets talked about? Isn't that what Isaiah talks about? But he doesn't do anything to the Romans. Actually, he goes to the temple. Says, this is morally bankrupt. It's scripturally out of order. And then he dies. And unbeknownst to some mourners on their way to a town called Emmaus, they relay to a stranger who is actually Jesus. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and, and how his, how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And then Jesus finally convinces the disciples it is him. And he's on his way, ascending, leaving them, and we read in Acts 1-6, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time Restore the kingdom to Israel. A king 
kingdom, Jesus, famous son of David. I invite you to stand for the reading of the Lord's word. In the text is Isaiah 12. We're going to read all of it, but I'm going to unpack verses 4 through 6 in our study time today. I wouldn't say anything other than you'll be hearing some King James sounding English. It's because I'm reading out of a translation that when it refers to only God, it will use archaic pronouns. So that's why if it sounds a little funky for some of you. Some of you are like, finally, he's got a real Bible. Yeah. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, for though thou wast angry with me, Thy anger turned away, and thou didst comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we've been trekking through this short psalm, really, of Isaiah's. A lot of it is repetitive. A lot of it sounds like what we would call Biblish Christianese. Oh, a lot of praise the Lord's and hallelujahs. Stop our hearts and slow our minds to unpack what you're saying. Help us to be, for once in our life, patient with your word. What are you trying to say? What does this do for our hearts? How is our hearts centered on thanksgiving to you? What is? What are the ramifications for the rest of our lives? Holy Spirit, help us to move beyond the Christianese or the Biblish and help us to feast on your word on daily bread. Man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Holy Spirit, say what it is that you desire and move us out of the way and fill our hearts with awe of you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In that day, you will say in that day, all these things. And we looked at it three weeks ago, I believe, to go back to Isaiah 11 to see what that day is. And we said that day is now, and we said this because God prophesying through Isaiah says as much. We went to Isaiah 11 verses 10 and beginning with verse 10 and it says, in that day, The root of Jesse, that's Jesus, shall stand as an ensign or a signal, a flag, a banner to the peoples. Him shall the, what? Nations. That's plural. Him shall the nations, Jews and Gentiles, shall the nations seek, and his dwellings shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant which is left of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Ethiopia, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise an ensign for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of 
Not just of Israel, but of earth. That's everyone. See, that day is now. God was speaking of Jesus. Jesus did come. He is salvation for all people, Jews and Gentiles. Not Again, not just to the corners of Israel, but the corners of earth. Everyone. So the day that Isaiah was speaking of here in Isaiah 12 was accomplished when Christ came and what he did. And that day has been from then on to the present time. It's now. So about that day, which is now, we first, we said first that we give thanks to him because he turned his anger away. We talked about God's wrath, his righteous anger towards sinners, but through Christ it's turned away. He, God, was the angry one, and now he, God, is not the angry one because it's through Christ and because of Christ his anger is turned away. The reality of that day, which is now, said that he, God, is our salvation and he's trustworthy. Seems like somebody said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Can anything separate us from the love of God? If he's, if he's given us his son, how will he not now give us all things? This is the reality of our day. The wells of salvation bring joy. And like the water at the well that Jesus spoke of, they're endless and everlasting. Eternal pleasures at his right hand, as David spoke of. These have been the realities of this day. But now the realities of this day take a turn from who God is, what he brings, and how satisfying and trustworthy he is, to the response it brings from us. The provocation it should bring in those whom God saves. And I want us to notice something from the outset. Where is the king who set up a kingdom? Because it happened. It's just not on our terms, right? This king who saves us, who's trustworthy, who's joy-giving, you know he never ran for office. We never read in prophecy or reality of one battle. The only blood that's been shed is his own. We never see a coronation ceremony. There's no heads of state who have bowed before him yet. But in this psalm of Isaiah, accolades have been given for his salvation. And even though we don't have all these physical, tangible signs that haven't happened, we're already moving to our response. And our response will be in three parts today. We are in the day of thanksgiving. We're in the day of exaltation. And lastly, we're in the day of dominion. That's the king, his kingdom and our response. Thanksgiving, exaltation, and dominion. First, we're in the day of thanksgiving. And for the second time in the song, Isaiah says, And you will say in that day, that's the day we just talked about, give thanks to the Lord. King, kingdoms, battles, action. And if you want drama, if you want to see the king in the heat of battle, a hero to be admired, if you want to see Jesus in the scene, in the place where you know this is the man, he cannot be ignored. Who, he's, who he says is who he is. It's the story that Sharon read for us. 
I love it. I think I like it because it's so vivid. Especially in Mark's gospel, it's so descriptive. I can see the boat coming to a stop on the shore. It's in Gentile territory, by the way, and if you don't realize that, you got it's not too hard to find out. Whenever you show up at a cemetery and there's a demon, or demons, there's a lot of symbolism. A Jewish rabbi, the Messiah that the disciples are beginning to realize as the Messiah, but then the shores of pagan territory, and then what is seen is exactly what the Jewish mind would imagine. Of course this is pagan land. There's a crazed demoniac among the graveyards, which is like blatant illegal activity for Jewish people, dead people, cemetery. And I love that it seems like Jesus is on a mission. He knows his mission. I imagine the 12 are either staying in the boat. We're not touching that ground. They're not stepping out onto these pagan shores. While Jesus, with intense focus, heads to the man and calls the demons out of him. Again, it's symbolism. I imagine Jesus saying, this is my domain. Get out of here. Stop doing this to people. Jesus is fulfilling Isaiah, going to the coastlands, the nations for salvation. And he's whispering what his very disciples and councils will be talking about when, like with the likes of Paul when they discuss and affirm that the Messiah is for everyone. And what Jesus does to this demoniac is what he does for us. He pulls sin out of us and he makes us clean for holy works, for holiness. Our sins, like the demons who infest the pigs, are tossed into the sea. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. For everyone who puts their trust in Jesus, this is what happens. You believe in him, he has called you his own. You're now his domain. He rules over you. And you are to yield yourselves to God as men who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. A new master, not a master who enslaves us to sin, but to righteousness. And when the the, the demoniac found freedom, what did he want to do? He wanted to come back with Jesus. But Jesus has another one of those screwy statements. I want to come with you. You're the king. Let's do the kingdom. Go home to your friends. That's where I just came from. (laughs) And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Sounds like the God who wrote Isaiah because as God says it to that man, the demoniac, so he also says in Isaiah, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. For those in exile, and for those who will come to the day that Isaiah speaks of, our day, we are to proclaim his name. Whose name? It goes back to Isaiah 11, the root of Jesse. He is salvation. He is Savior. He has rescued us. He is responsible for all the good that's given to us. You know, after Jesus died, resurrected, and descended... And after his followers were filled with his spirit and they had that same boldness that he has, 
And still after another man, this time not a demoniac, but a crippled, was healed by the power of God through Peter's touch, Peter declares with boldness, because for some bizarre reason he's being scrutinized by the powers that be if he had just done a criminal act. But Peter said, if we are, be, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a cripple, by what means this man has been healed, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, but which has become the head of the corner. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter proclaims the name of Jesus. He makes known his work among the peoples, his deeds. Do you proclaim the name of Jesus? No, I'll just speak for myself. I wonder if I'm more wrapped up in proclaiming the deeds of our enemies so we can get people to vote or think like us. Maybe we're more inclined to proclaim the deeds of darkness and injustice because we're victims. But as I thought about it, I think it's rather audacious of Christians to be scared, worried, unhappy, angry, or defeatist. That's rather audacious of us, because if we are scared, worried, unhappy, angry, or defeatist, we must not know the comforter, sovereign, joy-giving victor in Christ. We must not know him truly. So let us get to know him and then exalt him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are in the day that Isaiah prophesied about, the day of the root of Jesse, bringing a people from the nations to himself. You know, if there's anything our world needs right now, and, and we're told, we're implored, we're encouraged by God through Isaiah that we live now in a day of exaltation. So we must make much of him. Because in a world that tries to elect a savior every four years, we know a savior who is reigning at all times. There is no one running for president in 2024 who can save us. There is no one running for president in 2024 who can thwart God. God has been, is now, and will always be what our world needs. And we, the Lord's people, are to be about exalting the name of its Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. He is our salvation. He is our righteousness. We know people who are so lost, whether it be their identity, their purpose, their meaning. And we know their creator who not only created them, but bought them to receive them as his own. So we must be exalted. I believe it is our job to carry on our master example and savior's destiny. Where Paul writes, therefore, sorry if I skipped ahead, therefore, God has a highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. By the grace of God, can we usher that in? Is he not worthy? He is Savior, so let us declare it. Isaiah said, proclaim his name is exalted. And about this declare, there's an early Methodist commentator, Joseph Benson. He writes that we can proclaim by speaking and writing. We must not only speak to God, but speak to others concerning him. Not only call upon his name, but proclaim his name. Let others know something more from us than they did before concerning God and those things whereby he hath made himself known. If you got lost in the Old English, I think that last sentence says it all. Isn't that simple? Let others know something more from us than they did before concerning God. We can exalt God, lift him up, make his name great. Because it is through the exaltation of God that the king's reign or his dominion is revealed throughout the land. Isaiah chapter 12 ends, Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. That wording reminds me of something that's connected to all this. It reminds me of Jesus' words in Luke 17. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Lo, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's interesting to me that some words here at the end of Isaiah 12, we would miss them or pass them by quickly. But, you know, some translations or translators wonder back at the end of verse 4. And instead of saying, proclaim that his name is exalted, some would, would write, make them remember that his name is exalted. And now you have... The, the prophet here in verse 6, giving a direct injunction, shout and sing for joy. Who's supposed to be doing that? Not unsaved one, not citizen of another nation, not uninformed one, but, O oh, inhabitant of Zion. That's part of the Lord's city. Philippians 3.20, where does our citizenship belong? It's the Lord's kingdom. And Isaiah is urging someone who should already know the exalted Lord and his greatness among us. And I wonder if the point is, is, but we don't always know that or remember that, do we? Make them remember that his name is exalted. Sometimes we're the Pharisees. When will your kingdom come, Lord? Sometimes we're those Jews, those believing Jews who say, this must be the prophet, this must be the one. Look at, look at the miracles. But then we try to make him king by force and before too long we feel defeated, we feel left out because he's hidden himself. Evil seems to be ruling the land. Sins, death, destruction, tragedy. And before too long we we find ourselves talking to each other, 
I thought Jesus was going to pull through. But did you hear? He lost. And so we say to a stranger on the road to a man, they took him to the public square, they took him out of the city, they hung him on the outskirts, unimportant. Not part of us, he's lost. But then every now and then we have hope. Every now and then someone reminds us, someone exalts the name of Christ. Every now and then, look, a politician prayed. (laughs) Every now and then, look, they made a movie and they portrayed Christ, at least in a decent light. Every now and then, did you hear that good news, that marriage, that tragedy that was spared, that war that subsided, that, that win in court? And we look and we gain faith and we focus and we say, Lord, Lord, at this time will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? You showed them. You rose from the grave. You came back. It's us and you and you and us. And it's not as they said it would be. So will you at this time show it to them in court? Expose their evil and lies. Tear down that ungodly king from his throne. Because if it's not right now, I'm going to make you do it. (laughs) You're our king. You show them. Because if he doesn't do it, if he doesn't make that candidate win the throne, if he doesn't pay sinners what they're due right now, Christ isn't king. If he lets the bad guys get away with it, he's not king. He said to them, the disciples, asking if he would restore the kingdom at this moment, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has fixed by His own authority. That's longhand for God's God. You're not. (laughs) This is a message, a lesson after salvation, after ministry, death, resurrection. He's ascending. And Christ is saying to those who have been with Him in person for three years, learn this. God is God. I wonder if it's because if the disciples watching their Messiah ascend from Israel, which is still conquered by pagan godless Romans, where slavery exists, where injustice is rampant, where rulers are in bed with their nieces and cousins, where the young, vulnerable and helpless are murdered, exploited and abused. Where are you going? Aren't you king? What are you doing? But this doesn't negate who he is. And it doesn't negate what we should do in this day. Because the kingdom is where? In the midst of you. Don't look for every single day, big man on campus, hopping out of his boat to go cast out some demons. Don't look for thousands of people getting shocked and awed and fed by two fishes and a loaf of bread. Look for this. His people giving thanksgiving to Him. Proclaiming who He is. Exalting who He is. It's what Isaiah has been getting at, and it's what the same God of Isaiah said to the onlooking disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's weird. My witnesses. Sounds like Jesus, as far as he's concerned, as far as the Messiah is concerned, he sees his ministry, his plan, his mission as Redeemer, Savior, and Messiah through witnessing. 
through making Himself known throughout all the earth, for being glorified as Peter did so when he healed the cripple at the temple, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, but which has become the head of the corner, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You know what this is? What part of the mission of Christ this is? The part that isn't always flashy, showy, demon casting out, bread and fish serving showy. But it's in the midst of you. As Christ says, as Isaiah said, Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is your midst in the Holy One of Israel. That's dominion. When we proclaim and exalt Him as Savior, Ruler, and Lord over all the earth, we're spreading His dominion. This wasn't in my notes, but I'm reminded of somebody who came to church once. And I heard through the vine later on. The one thing that that person took away, and they haven't been back that much since, wasn't my wonderful preaching. It wasn't wonderful prayers. And I hate to say it, I don't think they're saved, but it wasn't even the reading of Scripture. But they said there was something that happened in the singing. And everybody got up and was singing. The things we sing spreads the dominion of Christ. And I know it's not showy, it's not flashy, and you might say, but there's still injustice. There's still problems. Do you realize Peter declared the power, authority, and dominion of Christ as he healed someone who was crippled, where people passed him by every single day? That's injustice. We spread justice, love, peace, joy, and hope as we spread awareness of his dominion. When we make Christ known, we make his power, his healing, and his hope known. And a kingdom isn't always flashy and showy. Did you know that you're in the domain of Idaho right now? The domain of the United States? How do you know? Well, that's what they tell us. Even though Brad Little or Joe Biden isn't in the room right now to let you know it's their turf. We kind of presume it's the domain of Idaho in the United States. And I've met some wacky people in my day who might say, it's not really Idaho, it belongs to a secret cabal. And you know what? They're wrong. My point, my illustration is that there's some wacky demons out there that need to be thrown into some pigs and ran off a hill sometimes, right? There's unruliness in Christ's kingdom. But as we spread his dominion, we continue to carry out his ministry of setting captives free, bringing hope to the hopeless. Love to the unloved, purpose to the empty, righteousness to the unrighteous, and justice to the injustice. That's the Messiah that Isaiah was singing about. Let's pray. Father, will you at now this time restore the kingdom to Israel? We have that question in many ways, shapes, forms, or even verbiage. We sometimes look at the injustice and evil around us and we have the audacity to ask, how can we live in a kingdom that our Lord has said he has bought and has conquered? 
But as soon as we start exalting you and your dominion spreads. Father, you told the disciples not to take their swords out and go start conquering land. You said to go be my witnesses. I've given you power to be my witnesses. Sometimes we look for power with swords, but you give power with words. You're the word who became flesh. You give power with righteousness, with service, with love. The only shed blood that was in your conquering of the kingdom was your own. Help us, Father, to be about your business, to be spreading your kingdom and your dominion. And help us to see value and power, even if it's just singing about who you are in the presence of others. Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you that we get to live in this day of exaltation and dominion. We ask this in your name. Amen.